0: Hello there. You're welcome to Truth, The Timeless Word with Practical Insights. Your host is Reverend Bumi Kate ...in the name of Jesus. And one of the things that I'm going to be strongly emphasizing on today is the commitment and the cost of discipleship. The commitment and the cost of discipleship. You know, I said last week, I said... Usually, God calls us out of something into something. And what I'm saying this morning is that what God is calling out from and into, what is calling us into, is far, far greater than what He's calling us from. So whatever it seems that you may be losing out as a result of your response to His call, the call is bigger. Amen, somebody. So this morning... I want you to brace up and be prepared to make some changes. Be prepared to respond to his call. And this response is not just a mental ascent, but a challenge for you to do something about it. And one of the simple things that you're going to be doing about it is filling that um, membership form which you then hand over to the usher after service. Praise the Lord. And you will see that um, one of the things that um, there's a membership and there's a partnership, because without your partnership, without your support, you know, I did say last week that God called us individually together to form the body of Christ. You know, um, I believe that God has given us a specific mandate um, from his word in Matthew 28 verse 19 that we should go forth and make disciples of all nations. So our five vision agenda or goal to build a church that is multi-generational, multi-racial is not just for the fact of gathering people but of making disciples of nations. The reason why we gather together an extravagant service is to honor our Lord. And the reason why we gather in life groups in smaller in smaller chunks, you know, during the week during the is so that we engage in discipleship and spiritual development. You know, and um, and that is why all of this department that presented two weeks ago, they are they are part of the whole that forms everything that enables us to effectively disciple the nation. Praise the Lord. So if you turn your Bible again with me to Matthew chapter 4, the same scripture that I read um, last week, I'm going to read that scripture from, first of all, the New King James Translation. Then I'm going to read from the Amplified Translation, the verse 19. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. Praise the Lord, somebody. If you look at from verse 18, it reads, And Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee, Saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And I want you to take note very quickly that Jesus was, it was in the course of his normal or daily experience that he saw these brothers and he called them. So, what I'm saying is that where you are is a place and opportunity for ministry. Your place of work is your platform for ministry. Amen. Can you turn to someone and say, where you are is your platform for ministry. Hallelujah. While he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, there was nothing special or extraordinary happening, but because he was there, he became extraordinary. So what I'm saying is that you may be working in the council, you may walk in the school, because of your presence there, you know, it becomes a place of ministry. It becomes an extraordinary or super ordinary place of work. Hallelujah. Amen. Because you are there. Hallelujah. Verse 19, then he said to them, follow me. And I'm going to be emphasizing on that word, follow me, in a while. He said to them, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately he called them unto a purpose. I said this last week. He didn't just call them to anything, he called them unto a purpose. He said, Follow me and I will make you a fishers of men. In other words, when he called them out of their ordinary business, business or whatever, he gave them also. A purpose, he gave a reason why he's calling them. And that's why I kind of summarize the vision of the church and tell you that this all ties down to a mandate, the, the, the mandate that God gave the church, which is make disciples of all nations. Now, I'm going to read that in verse 19. I'm going to read that in the Amplified Translation. And in Amplified Translation, verse 19 of Matthew chapter 4 and he said to them come after me everybody say come after me and he says as disciples let me be your guide come after me as disciples come after me as disciples he didn't just say come after me or follow me and just you know and just be part of the crowd he said Come after me and be committed to the call. Come after me as disciples. And I'm going to break that word, disciples, in a moment. But it did not just stop there. He said, come after me as disciples, letting me be your guide. I've often said this, that when we say that Jesus is my Lord and my personal Savior, a lot of us say that, but we lose sight of what the meaning of the Lord means. Lord means ownership, the one who owns. So when you say that Jesus is my Lord and personal Savior, you are saying that Jesus now owns me. And if Jesus owns you, it means that you have no agenda again. Amen? His agenda becomes your... His agenda becomes your... Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So that's what Jesus is saying. He said, come after me and be my disciples, and let me be your guide. We we finish and close our service with Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Amen. And declaring the Lord is my shepherd, we are saying that God is my guide. I'm going to allow his leading. I'm going to allow his guide. The Bible says that God orders the steps of the righteous. And let me tell you, if God orders your steps, you can never take the wrong step. Hallelujah. And you see, sometimes God orders your steps and while he's ordering your steps, it doesn't make sense. Sometimes he orders your steps and it seems so difficult. Sometimes he orders your steps and that step seems so painful. And you can't see The reason or understand, fathom where this is all going to. But if you trust him enough, you know that he surely will land in a good place. Hallelujah. So, I want to break down that word discipleship. So, what is discipleship? What is discipleship? When I check the dictionary meaning of discipleship, it says that it's one who accepts someone's doctrine... And helps to spread it. Someone who accepts someone's doctrine and helps to spread it. That's what the basics dictionary says. Someone who accepts someone's doctrine. So in this case, a disciple is someone who accepts the doctrine of the Lord and is committed to spreading it. So discipleship is not just accepting the doctrine, is also the one that actively Spreads it. Hallelujah. And that's why evangelism is not just for the few unselected. Yes, there are people that are called as evangelists, but we are all called into the ministry of evangelism. We are all called, we all have a role to play in making disciples. Amen. Whether you are full-time, whether you are part-time, whatever. In fact, we are all in full-time ministry. Because where you are, is a platform of ministry where you are. Is I said it last year. I said there are people that you will connect with that I don't have access with, and like every one of us, there are different set of people within our sphere of influence. There's some. I mean, there's some people that you connect to that you can relate with that I can't relate with for different reasons, and vice versa. So, but. When you look at the Greek meaning, of, um, or or, or when you translate Greek, um, the the Greek meaning of discipleship, or disciple, it says, one who is enrolled as a scholar, one who is enrolled as a scholar, instructed and taught. One who is enrolled as a scholar, instructed and taught. So, when I put this together, you know, the dictionary meaning says, the one that accepts someone's doctrine, and spreads it, Greek says that the one that is enrolled as a scholar, instructed and taught. So when I put this together, I say that the discipleship is one that is enrolled, one that accepts the doctrine, one that is instructed or allowed to be instructed and taught and carries out the instruction. So, the discipleship, my own definition is that One that is enrolled, one that is instructed, and one that agrees to follow the instruction. You know, it's a different thing for you to be instructed. It's a different thing for you to follow the instruction. I can say everybody stand up now to your feet. You know, uh, those walking in the spirit, we stand up. Those who are not able or who are not walking in the spirit, we sit down. And at their liberty, because there's some people, you know, you might not just be able to stand up. You know, for example, if you are in the wheelchair, you can't stand up. You know, you can't stand up, you know, except you have the faith that you can stand up. But there will be some people, oh well, oh, we'll be standing up too much. Uh, I'll just sit down there. Is that you know, you just choose to defile the instruction. Praise the Lord. So it's one thing to be instructed, it's another thing to respond to that instruction. So a disciple is one that is instructed and responds to the instruction and must be ready to be taught. In other words, you know, anyone that is not ready to be taught or anyone that does not have a teachable spirit is actually a spirit of pride. It takes humility to be taught. Particularly by someone who doesn't know as much as you or who's younger than you, or who you feel is not even in your class, if there's anything like that. So it takes humility to be taught, to be instructed and to be taught. Nobody minds to be instructed because as long as the demand is not placed on you to follow that instruction. And that is where the humility comes into place. And that is why Paul said that, look, you may have many instructors, but you have only one father. In other words, and what Paul is saying is that, look, you must be committed to what you have been taught. And follow it. Don't just listen to it and go away. Be committed to it. Be committed to the structure. That is what real discipleship is. Amen, somebody. Am I making any sense this morning? So the reason... The reason for formal church membership is not because we want to control your life. It's not because we want to uh, it's because we want to be responsible for you and we want you to be accountable unto us. Amen. Hallelujah. It's because what we want to be responsible for you and we want you to be accountable for us. Because that's what God instructed. Amen. And I will show you that in a little while. But first of all, I want you to turn your Bible to Luke chapter 9. Because following Jesus, like I said earlier on, is not just a mental ascent, but a call to commitment. Following Jesus is not a mental ascent, but a call to commitment. Luke chapter 9. Are we all there? I'm not there myself. Okay, I'm there now. Verse 57. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. And you see, what I realized is that it's easy for people to be part of a crowd than be, than to be committed to a cause. Because being part of a crowd, there's no demand placed on you. There's no responsibility on your part. But I tell you, it's a dangerous place to be because it means that there's no one accountable for your life. I remember um, a few years ago that I went to Romania, and I've forgotten the state or the place I went to in Romania now. It's the eastern part, uh, no, the western part of Romania. But that part has a a more... uh, has more impact of communism. Romania was under communism than any part of the world because it was, part, it was closer to, um, to, to Russia. So you see the all mark of communism, even though communism has been, you know, ended um, for so many years, is least developed compared to the rest, uh, the other part of the country. But one thing I noticed in that uh, community that we visited, I forgot the name of the town now, there are more children and dogs than adults. And I'm not kidding. Dogs, in fact, if you, you will think that there's a spiritual connotation to the number of dogs there. Dogs are everywhere. And beautiful breeds of dogs. Beautiful. I, when I say dogs are everywhere, I mean everywhere. Children under 10 and dogs, I don't know which one has the highest population. And you see the kids any time of the day roaming around the streets, going into beans, looking for food. Kids and dogs are ramaging beans looking for food. In Romania. In the, I've forgotten the name of the, not the whole, every, everywhere in Romania is not like that. So don't, uh, but just that particular, that district street or street. I don't know how it is. I've forgotten the name now. But what I'm trying to say is that. Because there's no one responsible for those kids. No one responsible for those dogs, animals that let loose to do whatever they want to do. I don't know what happens to them, but the, the, and what I'm trying to say is that, you see, those kids, I'm sure they're not, well, I'm sure they're surviving. Human beings have a way of surviving, you know, but they're not having the best of their lives. They can't really be children. They can't really enjoy life because there's nobody responsible for them. As a result, their natural growth is hampered. You know, some of them, God knows, I'm sure their lifespan will be shorter than anyone that has grown in a proper family, you know, because if you imagine a 10-year-old on the street at 10 um, p.m., they're more vulnerable. It means that people can take advantage of that. In fact, God knows the implication of that. But what I'm trying to say is that when no one is responsible for you, particularly spiritually, you are putting yourself in a no man's land. No, not now. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Hallelujah. So let's look at Luke chapter nine. Wow. My time is fast gone, sorry. Okay. Now it happened as a journey on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. I want you to follow this. Oh, sorry, verse 57. 57, verse, uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 57. Lord, now I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and bears of the air have nets. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his hand. And what Jesus is saying to him there is that look, you see the glamour, you see the crowd, you like what you see, but look, and look at you're not prepared to 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 uh you're not prepared to pay the price or the cost to be with me. And that's why you just say, look. Of course, because he knows her heart. He said, yes, you want to be with me, but you don't really want to be, you want to be part of the crowd, but not to be committed. Then look at the next verse. Then he said to another, follow me. The word follow me there is also that same word, you know, come be my disciples and let, and follow my leading. So when you see follow me, what Jesus is saying there is that, Come and be my disciple and follow my leading. But look at the response of the guy. He said, But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury his own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Another said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to them, No one having put his hand on the plow, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, who is fit for the kingdom? Do you notice that all these people that Jesus gave invitation to had credible and genuine things to do? They actually had credible things to do. You know, I, I've always said that Jesus never called an idle person. You know, the reason that God calls you is not because you are jobless. In fact, God does like jobless people. He doesn't like idle people because he knows that lazy people cannot handle the things of the kingdom. So he calls out working people. And that's why I say, God calls us out so, Thank you. Praise God. So, all these guys had terrible things to do. It was One was busy with the funeral arrangement of his, uh, of the, of his father or whoever wants to go and um, bury. The other one is busy, you know, really wants to go and say goodbye to everybody. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. I'm calling you now. Let's go. And Jesus said, Anyone that is not prepared to follow his leading, who's who's not prepared to sacrifice, who's not prepared to give up what they have for what he's calling them to, are not fit for his kingdom. Praise the Lord. And that leads me to my next point, that discipleship comes at a cost. Let's look at Luke chapter 14. It comes at a cost, verse 33. It is a call to commitment, and that commitment comes at a cost. Luke 14, verse 33. Jesus said, so likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. If you are not ready to forsake, you cannot be my disciple. And when you look at, so when you look at that scripture, what it's telling us that discipleship comes, it demands perseverance. In the midst of suffering and pain, you must follow instruction and allow his leading. And of course, most importantly, that we live because of him and not because of anything else. In fact, um, maybe we should read, um, let's read from above, uh, from a few scriptures so that you can see that. Okay, let, let me read from verse 25. Um, again, you see, Now a great multitude went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down and first count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, least he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all who sees it begin to mock, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. For what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down, first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else, while the others is still a greater way, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. Verse 33, which I read earlier on, so likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all, if you cannot afford to sacrifice, if you are not if you cannot afford to give up, you cannot give in. Amen. Hallelujah. To be a disciple, it will cost you to give things up. It will cost you time, it will cost you money, it will cost you energy, it will cost you reputation. People will laugh at you. People will consider you stupid. People, I mean, it will cost you. Your dignity to be a disciple. It will strip you of everything. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And if you like to turn your Bible to Galatians chapter 20, I so much, this is one of my, this is one of my favorite scriptures. Galatians chapter 20. Oh, sorry, Galatians chapter 2. Beg your pardon, verse 20. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I want us to read it together. Are we all there? Are we all there? Shall praise the Lord if you are there? So I want us to read it together. Once we go, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who will live. For Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Amen. You see the verse 20 says, I no longer live. It is Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is not me who, so in other words, I no longer live for my agenda. I live for his agenda. Praise the Lord. Tell somebody that you live for his agenda. I live for his agenda. Praise the Lord. So, I want to kind of wrap this up by saying that whatsoever you think that you are giving up is nothing compared to what you are getting back. Amen. So, as I made it very clear, it will cost you something, but what you are getting far, far exceeds what you seem to be losing. You see, first of all, which um, in John chapter 12, verse 24 to 26, Jesus says that except a seed die, it cannot bear fruit. In other words, if you don't sow, you can't reap. And this is why when um, the, I I hope there's no, um, well, if you're a moral vegan vegan or whatever, I mean, is, um, you can, but a lot of, this is why I challenge a lot of, I call it moral, because there's some people who are vegans because they don't like meat or they don't just want to eat meat. And there's some people who don't eat, who are vegans now because they feel that in 50 years' time, we'll not have enough food. Now, and the reason why I so much disagree with that is that, first of all, before man was created, God made provision. Amen? Before man was created, God made what? Provision. And if, there is, if God made provision for man before he was created, there will always be provision. As long as the earth, and the Bible says that as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest time as long as the earth remains, there'll be what? Seed time and harvest. If there's harvest, there'll be food. Amen, somebody. I say if there's harvest, there'll be food. And if God says, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest time. So, what ozone layer is depleted that, that will hold back harvest? Or we change the word of God? Before the ozone layer began to melt, the word of God existed. Amen? And I guess God told us before I, because he knew the ozone layer would begin to melt. So he's saying to us, look, don't worry with what you see. I've already taken care of it. Amen, somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. So as long as there's sowing, there will be a reaping. Hallelujah. So, um, what am I saying now? Okay, praise God. I probably just, okay. So what I'm saying is that there has to be sowing for there to be reaping. So in other words, what we give is our sowing. And as a result of the things that we give, we are going to reap. Praise the Lord. And there's something I want to really show you that we want to go to. If you go to Matthew chapter 4. You know, uh, before before that, in Matthew chapter 19, G, uh, Peter, you know, of uh, go to Matthew chapter 4. But I just uh, continue my statement. Uh, Peter asked Jesus, you know, when 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 Jesus was placing the demand uh, on the disciples that look, this is going to cost a lot, uh, and they said, wow, I mean, who, who can fulfill this? And Peter asked Jesus, but one of us we've given up everything, we've given our houses, we've given our family, and Jesus said, look, don't worry, whatever you've given up. Times multiples and multiples of this you will reap, Amen. Praise the Lord. But I want to show you something that you know, um, uh, which is um, Matthew chapter four, and this was when Satan was trying to make Jesus cut a shortcut to glory. Satan will always give us a shortcut to glory, because, again, you see, he's trying to tell Jesus, forgetting. And you have to recognize that this is Jesus as man. That's why the Bible says that there's no temptation that, that man goes through, that Jesus, the Son of God, has not gone through. This is Jesus as man. And Satan came to you and I said, look, I know that you are destined for greatness. I know you are destined for this glory. But do you know what? We can do a shortcut. You don't have to go through this pain. You don't have to go through suffering. You know, all you just need to do, just bow down to me, worship me. You know, give that honor to me. And you get this in a twinkle of of, of, of my fingers. Now, forgetting that Satan is a thief, although he takes control of the earth, he doesn't own it. Amen? He takes control of it because Adam and Eve see that control to him, but doesn't own it. So really, he doesn't really have the authority to give it to somebody else. And see, that's something that Satan presents to us most of the time. That, look, I mean, the demand, look, they ask you to be a member, be a this. No, you don't have to do Just come to the church. Just have your own God and just go and just come, you know. You don't need all of those things. But look at what Jesus, um, verse, um, verse 8, verse 8. Let's look at verse 8 together. He said, And again, the devil took him up on the exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Now, when you read this, you probably won't appreciate it until you cast your mind back to Matthew 28 verse 18. When Jesus says, All authority and power has been given to me. All authority and power has been given to me. Now, the authority and power did not transfer to Jesus until he fulfilled God's mandate for his life. If God had authority through suffering and true pain, that when he was going to the cross, if you remember, he was praying, he said, God, if it were possible that you take away this, so basically he was trying to negotiate that God, you know, yes, I want to do your will, but... Can we do it without pain? Which many of us do? You know, God, you know, you know, I really love you. I I, I really want to serve you. But you know, can we just not do it on my own terms? But quickly, Jesus considered, not my will, but your will. So, Satan I said, Look, come, look at all the kingdoms. Look at the glory of the kingdom. This is what you stand to gain if you just worship me. In other words, cut the corners. Let's forget God. Some of us don't think that we have this conversation, but you see, this is conversation that Satan asks for us when he's saying, don't commit. Just, just do it at your convenience. Just work at your convenience. Just give what you can give. It's good to give what you can give, but it's better to give beyond what you can give. Amen? When you step out in faith, God meets you. Hallelujah. If you remember Peter, he said, Lord, can I step out on the water? Faith didn't start until Peter put his feet in the water. If, if Peter said, Lord, can I step out? But it's still water. Lord, it's still water. Because every rational person knows that if you put your feet in water, you do what? You sing. Peter can look at it, but it's still water. I can't step my feet. And most of us, you know, most of the time, that's how we do faith. You know, God, can I step out? Yes, you can. Okay, go on. Oh, for God. <laughs> it's water. I will sing. God said, no, go on. But oh, God, I will sing. So, our reality is what we see, not the word of God. And Jesus is showing us here that, look, his reality is God's instruction, not the things that he sees. Amen. He says, And he said to him, verse 9, And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. You see, the Bible says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Many times what we want to do, we want to resist the devil before we flee. And you wonder, what, what am I saying? You know, many times you bind and lose, and bind and lose, bind and lose. Stop wasting your breath. The first thing you need to do is submit to God. Submit to God, resist the devil, A submission to God already is an attack on devil. Because he knows that, my goodness, this one is not doing my will. He's doing the will of this God. Hallelujah. So the first spiritual battle that you need to do is your submission to God. Even when it costs you. Even when it's inconvenience. Even when it's uncomfortable. Is submission to God. Here Jesus submitted to God and was able to resist the devil. Say, get away from me, but not without the submission to the authority of God. So stop negotiating with Satan. Amen? Praise the Lord. So in closing, let's go to Hebrews chapter 13. And we look at a few verses there. I started with this statement that our call to formalize church membership is so that we can account for you and so that you can be responsible. If you look at Hebrews chapter 13, look at verse 7. We're going to look at a few verses there. We're going to look at verse 7, verse 17, and 24. It says, remember those who rule over you, who have spoken, you see, it clarifies those who rule over you, yeah. Those who rule over you are those who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. So he's saying to you that don't just listen to me, also look at my conduct. My behavior must match my words. My words must match my behavior. Jesus put it this way, He said, "By their fruits you shall know them." In other words, it's not just what I say or do on the pulpit. It also what I do or say out of the pulpit. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm not saying by any means that I'm perfect. I'm not saying that by any means I get it all right. You know, sometimes I will miss it. Sometimes, you know, I make mistakes. As you all acknowledge, some of you have have um, prayed for me in the past and you've you've been really cross with me. And you just blessed me. You know, some people are owing up. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. But the fact that you are here means that you are gracious. Praise God. But it says that, you know, follow the conducts. It said, remember them. Those that rule over you. Who speaks the word to you. Whose faith follow. Considering outcome of their conduct, look at verse seventeen. Um, Sometimes we we'll break that. Even we we'll break this down a little bit. Look at verse seventeen. Obey those who rule over you, and be what? Submissive. Submissive. You see, submission in the spiritual sense is not. It's not a sense of weakness. Submission is actually a sense of strength. Because it takes humility to submit. And it takes the strong to submit. When you submit in humility, it means that you don't have a personality issue. You know who you are in Christ Jesus. You know what God, you know, you are not submitting because you are inferior. You are not submitting because you are in an entity. You are submitting because you understand your identity in Christ Jesus. So submission is a mark of strength. And that's why the Bible says that God exalts the humble. He exalts them, he lifts the humble up. Amen. Hallelujah. So it says, submit to them, verse 17. Submit to them. Be submissive. For look at the reason why it says this be submissive. He said, For they do what? They watch out for your souls as those who must give accounts. Did you see that? We watch out for your soul. I watch out for your soul as the one that will give account. I take my job seriously. Because I know that I will stand before God and give account for you. And this is the reason why the next verse is very important. This is the reason that I need your help to do a good job. Amen. Praise the Lord. Look at verse 24 as we finish. Um, no, I'm the same, I've not finished actually. He said, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. Verse 17. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy. Amen. Can I hear an amen? Let us do it with what? Joy. joy. And how do we do it with joy and, with not, and not with grief? For, they will, for when we do it in grief, it is unprofitable for you. So it's win-win. Amen. Everyone say win-win. Amen. It's good for you. It's good for me. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the way you make it exciting for me or for those of us in leadership is by you submitting to our authority. Amen, somebody? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And in verse 24, um, if I know, let's go to verse 18. Verse 18 says, pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. But I especially urge you to do this, that I may be restored to you sooner. And I gave you a spot that wrote that was and was writing this in prison. But you see, it's important for you to pray for us, you know, that we get it right and that we would honor God, but most especially that we will serve you in all our God's capacity and ability in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Verse 24 says, greet all those who rule over you and all the same, those from Italy, greet you, grace be with you. All in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's rise up to our feet. Amen. So praise the Lord. I said discipleship is a call to be instructed, to be taught. And not just to be instructed and taught, but to also follow that instruction. And it demands sacrifice. It will cost you something. But what it will cost you is nothing compared to the glory that is laid before you. Amen? And when you do this, when you do this in submission, when you do this in submission, it's win-win for us. It's profitable for you, and it's profitable for us. Hallelujah. Then it means that we can watch over your soul as one that will give account. As one that will give account of this before our Lord and our Master. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. I want you to just lift up your hands and just begin to thank and appreciate God. That this word that you have heard this morning, that you will not be just hearers of it. You will not be the ones that are instructed and will not carry out the instruction. But that by his grace, that you will be doers of this word. And as heirs of salvation, you know, if you are struggling with any area in, in, in submitting, you know, just ask God for his grace. It's God that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly. Hallelujah. So the first step that you're going to take the first step that you're going to take in going forward is filling those form filling the membership form and you will see that it's so that we can get to know you so that you know we want to get to know you want to identify you as a person not as a number and this is why it is important and if you see, the, the I mean, um, that, those details will not be shared as 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 written on the form, you know. But only those that necessarily need to see it. Next week, we're, um, we're going to do for the children, those who are under 18. So we'll put the family forms um, together. You notice that that is kind of individual, you know, um, and that's... Um, I couldn't work out the way to kind of do one that the whole family would feel at the same time like that. So that's why I just did this for the adults and um, the, the children's one will, will take place. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for your word that has gone forth. I thank you, Lord Almighty, for this, strong, this word will not return to you unfruitful but you will cause it to accomplish the purpose to which you send them forth in the name of Jesus. I pray that Lord Almighty will receive grace to function in the light of your word this morning in the name of Jesus. Accomplish your purpose in the life of each and every one of us. Manifest your glory and your praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Let your will be done and let your kingdom come over us as a church in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord Almighty, as I commit, O oh God, everyone before the sound of my voice unto you this week. I pray that, Lord, you are ahead of us, that you be with us. Bless the works of our hands. Bless us in our going out. Bless us in our coming in. Accomplish your purpose in every area in the name of Jesus. I pray that, Lord God Almighty, will not hear any bad news over anyone in the name of Jesus. Only the sound of praise and joy shall we hear from our households in the name of Jesus. I declare you are blessed in your going in. You are blessed in your coming out in the name of Jesus. It is well with you and it is well with all that concerns you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus, somebody. Amen. Praise God. Please, um, those of you that have acknowledged... Thank you for listening. If you have been blessed by this message, please do share and subscribe to ensure that you always get the latest episode. I'd like to hear from you. If you have any comments or prayer requests or counselling need, we are here to help you. If you are calling outside the United Kingdom, it's 4477-6911-9449. Alternatively, email revbumi at gmail.com and that is V B U N m i at gmail.com or connect via social media Facebook Revb. or Twitter at PSTBUO hashtag podcast that is at PSTBUO hashtag podcast I look forward to hearing from you share with you same time God bless you